Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just give us a call. Our number is 291-6901. And you use the area code here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. Couldn't be any easier than that. Got all lines wide open, got fresh minds, and ready to go. <laughs> That's it. And right now is the perfect time to call and get your questions answered. There you go. Because if you happen to wait till towards the end of the show we kind of rushed and they got us out of here at 11 o'clock right so. that's right we got to get out at a specific time and there's certain things you want to do before you get out it has to be so if you, if you dial in too late the producer's just going to tell you hey i'm sorry we don't have time to take another call right and that way you don't get all your questions but, answered so. but but you can go to the <laughs> website get your questions answered that way there you go the address is agcoauto.com that is a-g-c-o-a-u-t-o.com there is a contact bar on each and every page. You just click that button, a little form is going to pop up. Fill out the form and send it in. There you go. Couldn't be any easier. And that works 24 7, 365. Yes, it does. Just get it on in there and we'll get it back to you. You know, the big news, I guess, in the automotive industry this week. Uh, yeah, this week. <laughs> the announcement uh, where Ford has lost a class action suit on the Focus and the Fiesta with those little dual clutch transmissions. We've right. talked about them many times we have. on the show. And they're going to be forced now to reimburse people who were stuck with these little cars. Right. Uh, I, I had a good uh, commercial customer who had come in one, and it was like a 2014. And by yeah, the time we priced all the stuff, it was cheaper for them just to total the car. Right. I mean, they, they couldn't afford to get it fixed uh, for the value of the car. And I hope they are listening or have Someone seen there, this. Yeah. Because this is not a recall per se where they're going to notify you or any of that. Uh, it's a class action suit, and if you are a member of the class, you'll get notified. But all the other people, the thousands if not millions of people who have these problems, unless they know about it and go and check on it, they, there, there's no reimbursement there yeah, for you're them. not getting anything. So if you did own any of these little cars, the Focus or the Fiesta with the dual-clutch transmission. Still had, do. Or still do. Uh, you might just check into this. Sure. And I'm assuming you can just call – the Ford dealership and see. I don't know if they'll give you a straight scoop or not, but I'm not go, sure. go on, online and just type in class action yeah, suit Ford. There's like three pages of, of articles on this topic right now. Well, and, you know, that's one thing to me. Ford generally does not ever voluntarily recall anything. Mm -hmm. uh, and I can't say anything because I guess they have, but they generally have to be sued in court and commanded by a judge before to they'll do right right and they've had so many problems over the years well, this is this is just the last in the line well in you know the latest opinion, in the line yeah i mean i remember when uh toyota had the problem with that little four cylinder was burning oil uh-huh well toyota voluntarily recalled the cars sure and they would rebuild the engines and same thing with the dashes you know the dash, the dash uh, would crack where the crack and and almost all the car companies have that in one or more of their models but they voluntarily recalled it and just right. did the right thing but you take Ford going back. I remember when the Lincolns and the Grand Marquis would catch on fire. They had a defective brake light switch. It right. It was brake. it was right in the end of the master cylinder. And what it would do, it would rupture, brake fluid would leak out, and it would catch fire. 
either on the exhaust or right. I think it was right over the exhaust. Right. And that brake fluid would catch fire and that the cars would burn down. Yeah, it, it would melt the wires to get under electrical fire right. or something. But they recalled it after a great deal of hurrah. Uh, and it the, was the, only on the Crowns. Yeah. The Crown Vic and the uh, Grand Marquis. May have been. And they found out later to use the same exact system like on the F-150. I did not recall any of those. Not that I'm aware of. And I don't know if it eventually came to a suit or not, but that was one thing and of course the 4.6 liters with the plastic intake manifold right. split wide open they would rupture thousands and thousands and thousands of those a very expensive job they would not recall it they finally got sued they were forced to uh, and uh, i the, think they even reimbursed if you had it fixed before they actually reimbursed yeah it was a limited time that they had right. to reimburse and a lot of people did collect but a lot of them did missed yeah that, you missed the wind of opportunity the breaking spark plugs in the 4.6s. In the, the 5.4 with the three-valve. Yeah. The, the right. Spark the, the plug spark would break off when we try to take it out. Again, hundreds if not thousands of dollars in repair to a lot of people. Sure. Some sure. people got reimbursed and didn't. But, again, it took a class action suit. To get that done. To even get it done. Uh, the Ford F-250s and 350s with a death wobble. Right. Where the suspension starts shaking. Uh, I don't think they've, they've never recalled it. I think Not they, that I'm uh, aware of, but they, they a was a serious problem. Uh, the 10-speed automatic in the 17 to 20, there's a suit pending on that. I don't know if it's been filed yet. But, again, to me, if if you do something wrong, you need to make it right. It's bad sure. enough that you did it wrong in the first place. And and the problem that I see, really, is you know you've got a defective unit. Because right. you start, But they keep putting them in vehicles, right. in new vehicles. Right. You know, we've got a problem here, but let's just keep using it yeah. until until we get caught, I till, guess. Until somebody sues us. <laughs> right. <laughs> they may not win. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a shame that, that it really is. a company has come to that. But And I hate to keep picking on them, but it just, to me, Seems to be, they keep drawing a target on their back. I right. Mean, you know, uh, with, with their actions and their decisions. And I don't know. I, I just see way, way more problems with them at way lower mileage than I think we do. should. Uh, not that anybody is building a stellar vehicle. They're they not. all have I mean, some problem. Got, yeah. Yeah. It, it just, it's, it's, sad. it's a real sad affair. Yeah. And you go out and buy a 19 or a 20 model vehicle yeah. and spend, spend thousands and thousands of dollars. Well, face it, a cheap car now is what, 30 grand? Yeah. That, that's pretty much yeah. a street cheaper car. And I mean, I mean a, 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 crew nice. cab, a crew cab 1500 pickup. Probably 40, 50 grand. At least. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I saw a Suburban the other day, $100,000. Oh, yeah. It was loaded and right. everything, but 100 Gs. For a vehicle. For a truck, glorified truck. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't expect to I have a know, lot of man. problems with something when I'm coughing up that, that, that's that what kind I'm of about. cash, you know? Yeah. So, anyway, yeah. I just thought we would announce that just in case anybody hasn't heard and, and you were involved with one of these vehicles or still involved with it. Uh, just check and see because you may have some compensation coming back to you. Uh, not that you're getting anything for nothing. You're just trying to get back what, what you lost. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> trying to get what you got coming to you, you know, what you paid for. Right. But, um, yeah, that's um, that's one of those things. Unfortunately, like I said, they're not going to notify. They're not going to call you up. Even if you go in for service with that vehicle, they're probably not going to say anything. Probably not going to say anything. They may or may not. I don't know. But, you know, if they bring the car to us with a problem, I'm going to mention it to them. Well, sure. But sure. I'm not sure if you go in. I've seen. I remember back uh, with the. In fact, it was a Ford Taurus. Uh, okay. They undersized the transmission cases on them to where if they leaked, even a couple of quarts of fluid, they would burn up. Mm-hmm. And people would bring them to us with burned up transmission. I'd say, do you realize if you go in, 
and you, you may be able to get this done for free. And so a lot of people take them back. But if two people walk into the same dealership and one said, hey, my transmission's burned up, what's it going to cost to fix it? And the other one said, hey, my transmission's burned up, and I understand this is under some kind of a adjustment. Which way is it going to go? Yeah, one would end up with a full paid repair, and the other would end up not paying. Right. And, you know, to me, Knowledge. that's kind of cheesy. But, it really is. You know, that, that was the way it was. A lot of people paid for that repair just because they didn't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I had a gentleman came in, and I just was doing some other work. It was front-end work on his car. I happened to notice he had a new transmission. I said, oh, did you get your transmission done for free? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that was about a $3,000 repair at that time. Yeah, yeah, big repair. And I don't know if he was able to go back and get them to call some money back yeah. up or not. Or not. But, uh, yeah, he said, no, you know, nobody told me anything. I said, well, yeah. you know. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, you got a number of levels of things. You have what they call a safety recall. That's uh-huh. where the Highway Traffic Safety Administration has deemed a problem. This deemed is a problem. This will be fixed. Those, you're going to get a notice, or at least whoever – is on the title the registration right. at the time you bought the car the address you gave them beyond the normal forwarding of the post office you're probably not going to get that exactly I mean, if you got the same address and all that yes you may get a notice on it then you've got voluntary recalls which they don't have to notify you of but if you go in and ask about them they'll they also call them policy them. adjustments mm-hmm. and then you got class action suits which unless you're a member of the class you may or may not hear about it uh, if you do hear about it, they are responsible to honor their agreement with the court. But And then you got what they call technical service bulletins, which is a whole different thing. A lot of people confuse those. A TSB is only an acknowledgment that there is a problem. And this is a repair for that This is a repair problem. that will fix that. But beyond the normal warranty, you're not entitled to necessarily anything. If you're under the normal warranty period and you got the problem and you go back, they will repair it just like they would anything else. Mm-hmm. But once you're out of warranty, no, that is not a recover. Just because it's a TSB does not mean there's a recoverable right, right. repair that you're going to get anything done for you for no it, charge. It means they found a common problem, and this is the repair for that problem. Correct, but not necessarily they're going to cover. No, they're not going to cover anything, hardly. Let's see if we can squeeze a call right. in before the break. we got Fred online. Good morning, Fred. Hey, gentlemen. First of all, I want to say thank you. I called a couple of weeks ago, talked about a, a emissions light that was on, uh-huh. and I don't know. We kind of narrowed it down between the uh, the solenoid thing uh, back by the gas tank. Yes, still, right. On a on an envoy. Uh-huh. Anyway, um, and in the gas cap, I cleaned both of that those up. I, I replaced the solenoid. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And out of curiosity, took the old one apart. Didn't really see any plugs or anything, but hey, the light went off and we're good. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thirty dollar fix. I do appreciate. There you it. go. All right. Um, got a question. Please. Okay. This is just a nuisance. It's a 2007 Suburban. Okay. And going down the road sometimes, the lights on the on the radio, um, they dim. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you think at first I think it's okay, the sunlight's shining in through the dash and just kind of blind them out, but you can cover it up and everything, and they, you just can't can't read them. And then all of a sudden later you're driving and all of a sudden pop, they pop back on bright again. Okay. And I can't seem to figure out the combination if that's uh, – What's causing it to automatically? It, it's almost like in the bright daylight, it thinks it's nighttime. Yeah, well, it's got a auto dimming system on it with a little sensor up on the top of the dash and a little bubble. Right. Yeah, like a little bubble thing. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> if it sees uh, nighttime, it's going to dim the lights down. If it sees daytime, it's going to brighten them up so you can see them. The f- most common problem there, Fred, if you have anything on your dash, 
a lot of times people put things up on their dash. If anything covers that sensor, you can fool it into thinking it's nighttime when it's really day, and especially anything that might move around on top of your dash. So, yeah, nothing it, like that. Okay. The, I would first suspect a problem with the sensor, although that's only one possibility because the sensor feeds into the body control module, which controls the lighting, and it's controlled through another little uh, dimming type device. So, you know, you might price that in-dash sensor. It's not too difficult. I think it pops out from the outside. Uh, Brian's shaking his head. So no, no. You may have to take I the think cover the, off. I think the cover comes off from the outside, but the actual um, sensor itself has to be uh, quarter turned out from underneath the dash. Okay. okay. So you have to take the top panel off. And if you take the front of it off, you can kind of roll the panel up a little bit and reach your hand in there if okay. you know what you're looking for. And you can well, take it, change it, but um, under those circumstances, I would probably pay somebody who had yeah. the proper scan tool. He can go in and read and see what's happening. If it's an input or an output issue, and that way you'd know what you were going after. Because if it's going to be that much work, you, know, you talk several hours to pull that dash loose. Not something yeah. I'd want to do on a maybe, you know, because that that's one possibility. Right, uh, that's a pain pulling the dash. It is. The it is. You break it home, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, anybody who's got like a Tech 2 or a GDI can go in and read the input from the sensor to the BCM, or and then they can read the outputs from the BCM, and then they can determine pretty quickly. I'd say less than an hour, they should be able to tell you what's going on as long as it's if occurring it's, when right. you test it. Uh, one other possibility, do you haven't noticed the headlights dim at all? Is no, just it, dash lights? It seems that the headlights and everything else – yeah, seem to be so it's probably not it's a just... voltage fluctuation in the system. Yeah, I mean, the possibilities are, of course, the sensor in the dash, the wiring to the sensor in the dash, or the BCM itself. Okay. So. All right. I just didn't know if there was some kind of fancy setting in the radio. No, nah, not really. I mean, there is a setting where you can dim and raise the lights, and you might try kicking it to a brighter setting and just see, because sometimes that will just freak the computer into – you have a set kind of marginal. There's like a, a a rotator switch, I think, on the yeah. on the light switch. You might turn them all, all the way up. Okay. I turned it all the way up just to see if it made a difference. It didn't do it. Did not. Okay. Try yeah. maybe try turning it halfway down and see if that affects it. Because sometimes a different input to the BCM may may cover something up. If not, then more likely into one or the other okay. situations. Well, guys, I, I do appreciate it, but I also wanted to say thanks for the uh, help a couple of weeks ago. It was uh, it, it worked out real well. Okay, well, good You're deal. You're welcome. All right, bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, we're going back to our phone lines. There we go. Yes, ma'am. Lewis? Yes. I'm getting in touch with you one way or another. Mama, <laughs> <laughs> happy birthday. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. I was just telling Brian. I said, she was. I said, in all the years I've been on earth, I can count on one happy birthday every single year, and that's for my mom. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to miss it. This year. Well, I've well, called Elaine three times, so okay. this is it. Happy well, birthday, my darling. Well, very, very good, and I'll see you tomorrow. Don't give him my love. All right, babe. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. All right, we got to take a quick little break. We'll be right back with a whole lot more. If you ever plan to move west. Hello. Hey, welcome back. You just join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we would really appreciate hearing from you. We'll give us a, give us a call. Let us know what's bothering you. We'll get you an answer back just as quick as we can. 
and we've got Sid online. Good morning, Sid. Hello. Yes, sir. Hello. Yes, uh, I've uh, got a uh, Hyundai, and I need to uh, change uh, some of the brake front brakes. Uh huh. And can you give me any tips? It's a uh, disc brake on the front of that Hyundai. It's pretty and straightforward. Can you give me any tips on changing those? Uh, pretty straightforward, Sid. About the only things that you have to kind of remember is don't go to a parts store and buy those pads. Go back to a Hyundai dealer and buy the original equipment pad. They will cost you slightly more, but they will operate a lot better. They will last longer. They will not warp the rotors. It's just going to be a much better thing. Second thing, check the condition of the rotors. Make sure they're smooth and it's not like a big lip on the edge of them. Because today's cars will almost wear a set of rotors out as fast as they wear a set of pads out. Uh, the good news is those rotors are fairly inexpensive. Those you can buy from a parts store so long as it's a decent brand uh, because it's just a piece of cast iron. Uh, you know, they, They'll hold up okay either way. The last things are there are some grease that goes on the back side of those pads where they contact the calipers that needs to be put back on there if not they'll squeak and squeal on you and if there's any shims back there those also need to be put all back. that needs to go back in there and where the caliper slides go on my website and just search the word caliper slide and there's a pretty good article in there on telling you how to lubricate those slides that doesn't get done a lot of times and causes a lot a lot of problems and before you get started go ahead and flush that brake fluid out right bleed it like you're going to bleed it when you're done open the bleeder screws in the proper sequence have someone actuate the pedal and get that old fluid out before you get started yeah because once once you get that fluid out because you don't want that fluid into your when you push the piston back in you're going to be pushing it back in across fluid and you want clean fluid in there you don't want it to go back against any trash that gets left from right. the old fluid. When, when you go when to put you, the new pads, you got to compress the pistons and the calipers. And when you push those pistons in, you're squirting all that old nasty contaminated fluid back through like the ABS unit and all that. So Now, what I like to do is open the bleeder screw and press those pistons in and expel that fluid out of the system. Right. Do not Try not to force it back through the system because you could have a piece of trash hung on the outside of the ABS valve. If you force it backwards, it hangs up the ABS valve, and then you're into a, a bigger, much bigger problem trying to get it straightened out. All righty. Uh, all right. I appreciate your help. You bet. All right, sir. All right, Sid. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. All right. 291-6901 is the number. If you want to borrow the automotive, I would love to have you. And, you know, I, I see that a lot of do-it-yourselfers go wrong right there. Well, they just don't know. Right. That Exactly. And if you, like I said, one of the biggest problems we see, because by the time you wear a set of brake pads out, you've got several miles in your car. Sure. It's, it's older. There's a lot of debris that has been generated inside the system, rust, debris, what have you. And because it's heavier than brake fluid, it tends to work its way on down by gravity and it ends up collecting in the caliper pores, right. the bores. As the pad wears, the pistons come out to take up the extra space, and all that trash is sitting in that caliper bore. Now, you have to push the piston back in to get the new pads on. But if you just take and squeeze that back in, what it you've will done— go. You have pressure-fed all this trash and debris Back backwards up. through the system. Right. And, and the ABS valve being as sensitive as it is with the, the small ports and everything, a piece of trash gets hung in it, and a lot of times it's a new unit begot. That's it right. It can't be cleaned out. Yeah, if it jams in one of those valves, unless you can flush it out, which most of the time you cannot, right. 
ABS light pops on, and I mean on a Hyundai that could be a fifteen hundred dollar car. Oh, easily, you know, easily. So you could plus you could, the labor to change it. Yeah, you could almost end up totaling the car uh, if it's an older car. But yeah, you always want to flush the system out before you do the brakes. And now you, you do have to do it again to get the air out after when you get done. So you're going to end up doing it twice if you could do it properly. Make sure you use the correct fluid because, like we were uh, talking about Ford earlier, Ford has actually come out with a dot four in some of their ve- newer, newer vehicles, vehicles. Mm-hmm. Uh, be sure you're using the correct fluid yeah because any anything other than the correct fluid will damage the system yeah and i think it's a dot four lv i think it's it a is low viscosity dot four which is not the same as regular, regular dot four so yeah you got to make sure of that and you got to also be sure to bleed them in the proper sequence and you got to go to service data to, to find get that out sequence. because more and more it's not Right rear, left rear, right front, left front, like it used to be. It may be. Well, you've got diagonal braking now. Yeah, you which, may do the front first. Or, or you may one of the rears and then a front and the other rear and the front. Right. Or it just depends on the, the sequence that the system is designed yeah, to be done. The in. only way to know that is to look up service data. And unfortunately, if you just don't know anything about any of that, you don't even know to go look it up. Right. You just do it the way you always did it, and you can get into a lot of trouble. Uh, one last thing, if Sid's still listening, uh, when you get ready to put the wheels and all back on your car, do yourself a favor and torque those lug nuts down with a lug wrench. With a torque wrench. And Yeah, a torque wrench. I know people for years have been just running them on with an impact or whatever, just cranking them down as tight as they can get. But there is a specification on that, and there's a pattern. And, again, both of those are in the website. It'll, it'll give you the pattern depending on how the bolt pattern is. Well, and the, as light as brakes are built today, it, the improper torque on a wheel will cause a, a rotor to warp. You can or warp, warp a rotor a flange. or warp a flange. Yeah, right. you really crank one down too tight and then go back. Or out of sequence. You can actually sequence. mess up a wheel. I've seen wheels uh, messed up because they were pulled down out of sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you want to spread that load. So what you would do, let's say it's a four-lug system, you go to one lug, tighten it down about a third of the amount, go to the opposite lug, tighten it down about a third the amount, back across and then back across then go back and do the same thing to maybe three quarters of the of the torque rate and then you can go ahead and torque them all down at that point in a third step but if you just go in there and crank one lug nut down all the way and then go across you may end up it's pulled down it may cock on the hub that little hub is so light nowadays. I remember when those hubs used to be a half inch thick. Oh yeah, yeah, it, solid it steel. Didn't matter what you did to them; you couldn't hurt, hurt a rotor or a flange or anything. But today's vehicles are built so light. I mean, there there's just enough there to get the the operation done. Yeah, and part of that is they're trying to cut cost of vehicles. But another part of that is they want to lighten the vehicles up, particularly the unsprung weight. Sure, because they want as light as it could make the car handle better and well, better, better fuel, fuel mileage and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, cars today are very, very light. Same thing with the rotors like we were talking about. Used to be a set of rotors would almost last life of the car. Sure. Nowadays, with the way most people drive, you're almost into a set of rotors every time you do brakes. Yep. Uh, they just wear in because I guess I'm the exception you know, I had my old Buick, and it had the original rotors on it at 200-plus thousand miles and the original brake pads on the rear. Mm-hmm. And I only changed the fronts because they started making noise at one point because they had gotten so old, but it still had material left on Right. But, again, I'm a real, real easy breaker. You know, I know what's under that car. Yeah. <laughs> I don't drive like that. Yeah. But most people drive pretty aggressively. They, they speed up too much before they stop. They don't allow enough distance to stop, and then they come down those brakes hard. Well, it will stop the car, but it's going to probably end up chewing the rotors up pretty good you put a nice new set of brake pads on a worn set of rotors yeah, number one you're not going to get the proper pedal you're not going to get the proper stopping 
and you probably get a whole lot of noise out right. of it. Right. So just life in the world today. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we're going to take our second quick little break. Be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. <laughs> Steering up conversation for the capital city. Talk 107.3, the new flavor of talk. Not noise of the river to ride. Don't mind it because the man hey, with the whistle back. says... Just going to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alderson, with Mr. Brian Terry. We sure appreciate you spending Saturday morning with us. If you got a question or a comment about the show, just give us a call at 291-6901. And we, you know, we were talking earlier about getting the brakes done on that on the Hyundai. Mm-hmm. Um, like like you were saying though, you know most people don't know what not what to ask. Right. So before you take on a a project, it's best to get all the information you can up front. Well, that's right. And, and that was, way you know what questions to ask when you get start before you right. get started. It was quite wise of him to call us, and at least we can kind of give him some direction. For instance, on the brake pads, you always want to use OEM brake pads i know they sometimes cost more sometimes you'll be surprised it really don't cost that much more well and how long did the first set last yes you know the first set probably went 40 50 maybe sixty thousand miles i know some of the chevy pickups go almost 80 yeah they'll go to life of the truck if you really if you're easy, easy driver uh, in fact the, the on my o2 model uh silver Still Auto, has the i've same got the original brakes all the way around on i yep. have never touched those and i mean that's an o2 model right we've we've changed the fluid out several right. times but as far as the materials and the rotors or anything, no, that's, it's all it's original. All original, yeah. And, you know, what happens with the OEM, when the engineer designs a car, he calculates the weight, the amount of area the pad has. He builds what they call a coefficient of friction into this pad. Now, more is not better. Less is not better. The right amount is, is better. right. Because you can put more in there, but then the pad's more aggressive. It starts getting noisier, and also it generates more heat. It can warp the rotor. If you don't put enough, you push the pedal as hard as you want, and the car it still just doesn't stop. stop. So it's got to be engineered exact for that weight, braking system, piston size, piston diameter. Sure, all that is all taken into consideration. calculated in on the OEM pad. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to make the com- you know, all the calculations yourself. You just have to put that pad back. And if there's an improvement, let's say they build the car and they say, well, you know, these pads wear out too fast, or these pads get black dust all over the wheels. Or these pads don't stop as well as they should. They'll re-engineer that pad, and when you get the OEM pad, you're gonna get the updated new Correct. pad. Now, compare that to aftermarket brake pads. What happens for the most part on aftermarket pads? There's one material designed to fit. It just a big well, huge roll of material. Yeah. They stamp it out and they put it on different backings to fit every kind, every of, kind car. of car. So if you've got a 2012 Corvette, or you've got a 65 Chevy pickup and you're buying aftermarket white pads. box XYZ right. pads, you're probably getting the same material, or you may very well be getting the same material, although it's a totally, totally separate application. They're just cut to the size of the caliper and you know, glued to the right bracking plate. Mm-hmm. So and I've noticed a lot of those do not come with the proper hardware either. Well, They don't come with the right shims. They don't come with the right Rarely do they come seats. with shims, and if they do, the shims they come with, encourage you to throw the original shims away sure so you're taking a pair of stainless steel original equipment cut to fit perfect shims discarding those and it's got some glued on glued on piece of junk on the back right now what's so bad about this is after you do the first brake job yourself and in about a thousand miles it's shaking so bad you can't hardly drive it's squealing your wife finally gets to you 
your rags on you enough to go get the things done right. You bring them to me. Well, now at this point, not only are you getting the full brake service, but I'm going to have to buy shims, sure. which can be 30 to 70 60, bucks yeah. per axle additional. The rotors are warped to the point they can't be anything done with, so we've got to throw all that away. It's going to cost you probably double to three times as much to get this mess straightened, straightened out, out over and above what if you just had them done right to start with. And I'm not saying that the average person can't do it because, I mean, if you average mechanical ability, you could sure. probably do it yourself. You sure. just have to know what you're doing. And, again, if you go to my website, just type in, like, caliper or something like that, mm -hmm. you're going to get a lot of information on how to do this, how to lubricate the caliper slides. That's one of the biggest things. Most do-it-yourselfers don't even realize there are caliper slides. Right. They for completely forget about them if, they're, if they move any at all. If they ever knew about it. Right. Yeah. And what it is, you've got generally on most cars one or two pistons on the same side of the caliper. What happens when those pistons engage the inboard pad, the whole bracket has to slide over to engage the outboard pad. Now, when you release the brakes, it has to slide back away from the rotor. And now the key word here is slide. It mm -hmm. has to be free and it has to be lubricated. If it binds at all, what you can do, you can start wearing two pads out a lot faster than the other two. Right. Or your brakes are going to start dragging. You're going to wear, you know. You end up wearing one outside pad more than the inside pad because the outside pad is not unable to release from the right, rotor. so it drags all so the time. So it's dragging all the time. It's also creating heat as it's dragging. That's right. And you end up burning that pad up. I've seen them come in with um, two millimeters on the outside and six on the inside. Right. Because the slides were hung up. They just never were lubricated. And, and again, this it, is something that doesn't last the life of a car. No. And some vehicles, once the slides hang up, there's no hope for them. You have to replace yeah, them. Yeah. Well, once the grease comes out, uh, or worse, if the little rubber boots deteriorate or get torn, and now water gets in, there's no lubrication, and there's water there, it starts to rust, and you got a piece of steel next to a piece of cast iron. Right. And they just rust together. They will rust together. Now you got to replace the entire caliper. Exactly. And possibly the bracket, bracket. and the slides. Right. If it doesn't come with the caliper. So... It's just like most other things, it just tends to get worse and worse and worse if it's neglected mm -hmm. or if it's not done properly the first time. Uh, the, the other thing, like we were talking about, uh, the, the rotors nowadays are much, much, much lighter. Now, the good side of that is they're a lot easier to change for the most part. You don't have to pack bearings and all that. Right. It's what we call a hat rotor. It just kind of sits over the, top, over, the, over the top of the um, flange. Right. And they're much less expensive for the most part than they were several years ago. Lot because less. they're a lot lighter. Right, and no maintenance. But they do have to be addressed, and you hardly ever would even consider turning a rotor any longer. No, not not this. They're, they're, made, they're already made too thin for the vehicle, in my right. opinion. And right. once they warp, you're not going to turn that, that warpage out, whereas you, you, you would with a, a bigger, out. Yeah, it's, it's, a bigger it's thicker not, rotor. It's not rigid enough. It's just going to flex when you turn it, and you're going to have the same problem. And it was already too light, like you said earlier. But, you know, the old days, you would have a rotor would have about 60 thousandths of an inch additional material on it. That's mm -hmm. over and above what you need to do the job. Right. So if you turned 10 thousandths off, it didn't, really didn't, didn't hurt anything, it. and it would give you a nice smooth surface. And so that was the way it was done. Nowadays, at most, they're 15 thousandths above discard when they're new. Some come already, already at discard. At, they're, they're already at the minimum thickness when, they, when they're brand new. Right. So anywhere at all puts them under minimum. So you end up having to replace them very, and, very often. And like you said, in newer cars, they tend to dish the rotors out. They'll they'll actually wear the rotor out before the pad actually wears out. 
Well, people and, drive more aggressively, I think, than they well, used to. A lot more stop and go traffic because of, because of the traffic. And you've got a lighter component there, That's smaller right. component. Can't dissipate heat near as much. Uh, last thing I really wanted to kind of uh, talk about this. Don't you know? Let's say your car starts to make a little squealing noise in the front. You pull the wheels off, and the front brakes are obviously worn out. Don't neglect to check the rears because exactly. they all wear together. On a lot of cars, the rear would always last longer than the front. We kind of got used to that. There's a handful of cars now where the rear we'll actually wear. wears faster than the front. Mm-hmm. Uh, with diagonal braking and sizing where they've lightened the rear brakes up to make the car stop straighter, you may end up with the rears with a problem. Now, the converse is also true. Let's say you pull the front down and they're worn down to the metal. You look at the rear and it look like brand new. Well, the reason they look like brand new is because they're not working. Exactly. If they were stopping, they would be wearing just like the front are. So you go, and particularly if the front wore out prematurely. We, we run into this from time to time yep. where someone will come in and say, man, I keep putting front brakes on this car. What's wrong when I tried all kind? I went to some aftermarket brakes thinking they last longer. was walking the rotors, yak, 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 yak. How are the rear? Oh, they're great. They still look like new. Well, they look like new because they're not yeah, working. Exactly. If they were working, they would be wearing also. And you go in there, and you'll find, like, there's a height compensating valve in the back. That's not adjusted correctly. Not adjusted. Maybe you've run over something and bent it. Or the link broke. The link broke, popped off. Maybe the rear calipers are froze up. Who knows? Right. Lots of things happen. But the point is, when you do brakes on a car, you address all all four. four wheels every single time. Yes. We pull all four wheels every single time. If I check the rear, and they're worn, but they're not worn as much as the front, well, then that's fine. We may be able to get more service out of them. Uh, very often what you can find is they're all worn close to the same amount. It's kind of silly in a shop to do the front brakes, give it back to the client, and two months later they got to come, come in and do the rear the brakes. Right. People don't appreciate that very much. Now, there are times where we'll check the car. The fronts are worn completely out. The rear has 30 40% remaining. Now you have a call to the customer. Mm-hmm. Hey, Brian, look, this is the situation. Your front brakes are worn completely out. they got to be replaced. The rears have about 30% remaining. That will probably last about six months to a year. But would you like to do it If all... your money's a little tight right now. We'll wait. We'll wait. Right. And that's fine. Just don't forget about it. But if not, do you want to do it? will be slightly cheaper to do them all at one time. One, one you don't have to make trip. another visit back into the shop. Right. And the vast majority of our clients say, hey, go ahead and just do them because uh, we've got that kind of a mindset with our clients. Well, and... With the rotor situations like they are today, if you run the pads into the rotor, you hadn't lost anything. Right. Because the rotor's going to have to be changed regardless. Many times. Right. But so, if the rotors are still fine on the rear and sure. you don't want to end up, because as the pads get thinner, they're going to displace less heat. Sure. So they're going to put more load on those rotors. So you may end up saving a set of rear rotors. You may not. You may. But the point is, do you want to have to come back in and a short period of time and address this? Right. Not only that, but when I put a brand new set of brakes on the front, it's going to go in there. It's going to start doing a lot of stopping. The rears are two-thirds of the way worn. They're probably not going to stop as well as the fronts do because they're not new and the fronts are. So the fronts could do a lot more work than it would otherwise. If you're a real easy driver, it's probably not too big of a deal. But if you tend to be an aggressive driver, you may be putting may... a lot more load on sure. the fronts. And, you know, a lot of things are that way, kind of like motor mounts, engine mounts. If you change one engine mount, the other engine mount is weak but not broken. The one mount is now going to try to control the entire engine. Sure. So it's going to stress the other mount. It's going to break shortly thereafter. And, of course, lots of other things are that way. Not saying just carte blanche because, like I always tell people, if money's not an object, 
but I realize money is always an option. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, you know, it just depends on how you want to address the problem. Let's go back to our phone lines. We've got Paul online. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, gentlemen. Yes, sir. Um, I got a 2011, happy birthday. Oh, well, thank you. I have you. a 2011 Hyundai Sonata, mm-hmm. and the radio power went off the other day. And I thought it was the fuse. I changed the fuse. It wasn't the fuse. Okay. Then it comes on and off as it feels like it. Mm-hmm. And kind of like the XM will come on and it'll say loading. And then it'll change. Like you hear the reset buttons go, but you, you can't push any button or do anything. The only thing that works is the temperature gauge outside. Yeah. Uh, most likely, Paul, that is going to be a problem in the radio itself. One of the circuits in there. Because... A radio is not just a radio anymore. It's got all kinds of circuits that's tied into other things. I mean, there are some other possibilities, but it almost sounds like a malfunction in the radio. What you may do is if you can have it determined for sure that is the problem, check with Hyundai and see if they offer a rebuilt or an exchange program for that radio because you're going to be shocked at how expensive they are. I know it's it's a thousand dollars. Yes, yeah. uh, but a lot of times there are replacements. Uh, there are even some aftermarket companies that rebuild those. But I, I kind of smells not fire, but it smells like heat coming from somewhere. Yeah, yeah, it could be one of the circuits burning out in it, yeah. and you're working sometimes, not working other times. Uh, the last thing you want to do is try to put an aftermarket radio in there. It just doesn't work because that radio ties into so many other functions. You'll start getting things like your battery going dead overnight and that yeah. kind of stuff okay. and it also you may get chimes you may get warnings you know, it's all tied in on a class two network well, now. It, it's a it's a computer module it's a computer module basically, basically. even though it's a radio so you're almost I, stuck i saw some rebuilt ones on ebay for mm-hmm. like 250 dollars. and you know i've had pretty good luck with those to, to tell you the truth i mean make sure that's the problem before you just go order one uh, but you know once you've confirmed that's the problem I mean, you're looking at a thousand one way, two fifty the other way. I mean, this is yeah. not probably a car you're going to keep for the next thirty years. Uh, no. If it'll get you another five years, that may be all you need. Well, in three months, I won't be able to drive anymore anyway because I've got a medical condition. So. Oh goodness, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I would definitely uh, confirm that it is the radio, and if it is the radio, then I would probably go with something like that. I've had good luck with okay. them. I've used several of them and never had a problem. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks for calling, man. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Yeah, that's an issue with sometimes there are rebuilt or aftermarket parts that will work. Sure. And then sometimes not. It's just knowing which ones will work and which ones won't. You know, with a rebuilt part, I feel better with rebuilt parts than I do new parts for Mm -hmm. the most part. Because generally you have an original equipment part that someone's gone in and changed the components that have failed. So long as it's done properly, it's probably as good as the new part was. Sure. The, what they call quote-unquote new, new, which yeah. is some offshore junk piece that they've manufactured, may not ever have met the specs in the first place. Right. It's way, way worse than a rebuilt part would be. So, let's see, we'll squeeze one more right. in before the break. We've got Brian online. Good morning, Brian. Hey, man. Good hey, morning. How's it doing? Doing great. Thank you. Uh, working on a 2001 dodge ram 1500 uh-huh. uh the heater's not working and as y'all probably know i'm doing everything i can to not change the heater core yeah uh i've been it, i've noticed that the truck's been running a little bit hot i'm idling right now ac on and it's a little over 210 i changed the thermostat today thinking it may be my main thermostat okay. uh, uh what would be your next 
course of action well, prior to changing the heater core. Brian, before you even consider changing the heater core, go in and just touch those two hoses, one going in, one coming out, and see if they're both equally hot. Because if it's got okay. a plugged heater core, one will be hot and the other one won't be. Okay. So that's just kind of a dead giveaway right there. Uh, and super easy to do. If both hoses are equally hot, then very unlikely you've got a plugged core. Now, occasionally, even if the core plugs up, if you're willing to take the risk, you can go in with compressed air and very, very gingerly blow it out. And that is the key word there. Very, very gingerly, gingerly. Because you may rupture the core. Now, if you rupture the core, you've got you to gotta replace go it. Anyway. Of course, you have to replace it anyway. Uh, what we do a lot of times, we don't want to go to that expense. At that point, we'll just bypass the core. It wasn't working before. still not working, but you gave it a shot. Uh, Let me ask you this. Okay. Uh, in changing the thermostat, I noticed the vacuum hose uh, coming from the front of the throttle body. Uh, cheap plastic vacuum hose. Mm-hmm. And could it be a problem with my with my control thermostat inside the truck actually not opening? Well, uh, you got actuators. What year model truck was it? It's a 2001. Yeah, that's got actuators under the dash, which is like little motors. It could definitely be that. But, again, the key there, both your hoses are going to be hot. If both hoses are hot, then you know the core is working. If it's not getting heat, it's probably the actuator under the dash or the door under the dash is not opening because okay. it's it's got doors that move that duck air through the evaporator or through the heater. All right. Yeah, I'm not actually hearing anything into the heater. Well, you won't. You won't necessarily. If it just quit working in one position, you're not going to hear anything because it's not okay. moving. All righty. All right, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Brian. All right. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to take our last quick little break. Be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Where the conversation starts and continues. Talk 107.3, the new flavor of talk. Join us is the Automotive Hour, and I'm your host, Lewis Alzan, President of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co pilot seat. If you got a question or comment, give us a call. We still got a few minutes. 291 6901 will get you to us. There you go. And folks who listen to the show every week may remember last week, uh, Mr. Mark Wadham from London, England, uh, or thereabouts, I think he's in Surrey, which is right outside of London, called, and he had an issue with he had bought a car. And they noticed that the starter did not sound right. Well, the dealership agreed to go ahead and replace the starter for them. Right. And a year later, here they are having to replace the starter again because they used a cheap aftermarket junk starter Just on it. Just enough to get it sold. Just enough to get it sold. And he emailed me a follow-up and said, you know, how might I have prevented this? And right. the first thing that comes to mind, when you buy a used car, you get a pre-purchase inspection, or you certainly should. What you do is you make a list of all the things you've found wrong. Go back to the car seller and try to, if you can, negotiate a reduction of price and tell them, I will take the car where I choose and get it repaired. That way you can go to someone you know and trust or you can do the work yourself or whatever the case may be. The point is, if you allow someone who has a vested interest in trying to save money to do the repairs, chances are they're not going to do the repairs the same way you might have done if you'd have done it yourself. So that's probably my best advice. And 
not all dealers are going to be willing to do that. All car lots, a lot of car lots have a mechanic on staff, and they want to do it themselves to save money. I understand that. Well, and if it, even if you bring the part that you want put on, say you go to the dealership and you buy the the supply the, factory, the part, supply the factory part for them to put on, right, would be an alternative. You could also. at least be way better off. Sure. Let's see. We got time to take one more phone call. We've got Tim online. Good morning, Tim. Good morning. Yes, Good sir. Good morning. I have two quick questions. Okay. It's a 2008 Honda Ridgeline. Mm -hmm. I was changing the oil and noticed that the CV joint boot on the passenger side front is got a tear in it, and okay. there's a little grease trying to come out. Okay. Inside boot or outside? No noise symptoms. Is that a problem to worry about? Or oh, absolutely. Is it an inner boot or an outer boot? Oh, is it at the wheel or at the transmission? Boot. Okay, outer. Okay, yeah, those can be replaced relatively easy. Honda sells a boot kit, and it's going to come with both boots because that outer joint doesn't readily come off the axle. What you have to do is remove the entire axle, take the inner boot off, take the inner, inner joint, joint off, and then slide the boot onto it, and then put it back together. But yeah, if you don't, what's going to do? Number one, it's going to leak the grease out, and number two, it's going to allow trash and grit and grime into that joint. I mean, if you want to drive it like it is and then just replace the whole axle, you can do that as well. But you're going to end up buying an axle, whereas right now, just buying some boots. Well, and right in that being said, if you go to the, buy some white box axle, you're going to have nothing but trouble. Yeah, you're going to have to go Honda, back to a Honda axle. So it's The Honda be, axle is superior to anything out there right, right now, even the new stuff. Yeah, I would definitely uh, go ahead and replace I would try it to now save it. Yeah, to save it. Gotcha. One other problem I'm having is the switch that turns on your headlamps if i rotate it all the way to the right turning the headlamps on i was wondering if that's possibly connected to the lights in my radio every now and then the lights will come on and everything works fine but then it'll go dark and i can't see it at night and i was wondering would anything have no. to do with that switch? almost never no. The, the switch is strictly an analog sending a signal to a body control module that controls all those lights. More times, that's one of the sensors up on the dash is starting to go bad or something in the BCM that's getting a bad input, and it's going from daylight mode to nighttime mode. Okay. Um, you do that type of work yes, on sir. the yes, uh, headlamp switch, yes, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. Right, Tim. Thanks for right, calling, thank man. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, I see we are just about totally out of time. Let's get ready to start winding on up and getting on out of here. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service, whichever that might be. Um, I know there's, what, iTunes, yep. uh, iHeart. Yep. There, there's a whole slew Stitcher, of Stitcher, uh, Podbean. I mean, there's just lots of them out there. Any one of them will get the same feed because it all comes off our server. Correct. So you'll get the same information. You can go to our website and, and download, download it on, from there. on our website uh, if you care to. But what's real important to us is if we get positive rankings and ratings. In fact, we got a couple this week. I want to thank those who gave them to us. Wonderful. That moves us up to where we get more people listening to the show. Also makes us feel real good about what we're doing. There you go. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.